It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, we've got a great show coming up for you today as we look for the Sharks to make it a two-game win streak. God, we've been waiting to say that, and they've got an opportunity. But it must be acknowledged that Edmonton is going to be a desperate team heading into this game, and the Sharks have to be ready for their top-end talent. But we are going to talk to Luke Cunnan. We are going to talk to Jack Michaels, the radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers. But right now, first, I talked to Luke Cunnan yesterday. After the Sharks' first win, they were back at practice. All right, we are joined by the San Jose Sharks' Luke Cunnan on the Wednesday after the Sharks' first win of the year, man. First off, just how good did that feel? Yeah, it's always nice to get that first one out of the way, obviously. Um, you know, it's been uh, some tough times for our group, but, uh, you know, we've stuck together and uh, nice to get that one, and hopefully we can just keep building. Yeah, and you were mixing it up out there right from the get-go last night, man. Um, you know, the game seemed to invite invite physicality. Does that make it a little bit more um, fun or engaging for you? Yeah, I mean, I obviously love the you know the physical aspect of the game I think uh, you know you saw a lot of guys doing that from you know top to bottom of the lineup um, sticking up for each other really mm -hmm. playing as a group and I think that's you know really what brings you know a team closer together so um, you know I was happy with that uh, as a group and you know we're going to need that all year yeah and how do you guys carry that forward into Thursday's game against Edmonton uh, I think just, you know, build off it. Uh, it's a good feeling. Uh, it's a good feeling in the room right now. We, you know, have that first win under our belt. So mm -hmm. I think uh, just keep, you know, getting better, focusing on the little details, whatever the game plan might be for tomorrow. And, um, yeah, just get another win. The big thing to me was you guys played a full 60-minute game. I know that that was something that uh, head coach David Quinn had talked about, either those, those lapses that you guys had had. Why do you think that difference happened in last night's game? Because it did look like there was no, there was not that breakdown that you'd had in other games. Yeah, uh, I don't really know what the exact answer is. Obviously, we wish it would have been sooner in the season. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever that might be, we found a way to get it done. Everyone stuck together. Um, and I think we just had that winning mindset from the, you know, the morning of, and uh, we're going to need more of that. I imagine that the frustration of stuff like that, because I always tell people when, you know, good times are bad, athletes have efforts are always the same you're always going all out and then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't like is that is it maddening or do you not have to look at it that way yeah I mean you know it's our job to go out there work compete every night I think those things are non-negotiable and I think you know some of those last couple games uh were pretty embarrassing and that kind of slipped for us so um you know we kind of put it upon ourselves as a group to to go out and compete do the things we can control mm -hmm. and um you know everyone do their job and um you know, usually you're going to get the, the right results more times than not when you're doing that. Obviously, you had the big challenge last year of dealing with the knee injury. But in terms of having a rough start to a season like this, like where did that compare to other challenges you've had over the course of your professional career? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough, you know, when you're not winning games. Um, that's why we're here to win, to compete, uh, to win a Stanley Cup. And just every night, uh, that's your mindset to go and win a hockey game. And uh, it's definitely tough. Um, 
you know, mentally, physically, you know, as a group, you're just trying to find the little positives and, mm-hmm. you know, put a smile on your face, come to the rink. And sometimes that can be hard, but you know, our group stuck together. We've done a good job and, um, you know, it's only one win. We got to continue to build and build and, um, you know, string some together. How big was that early goal? Like, I always know that if you're on the road and you're less than two minutes in and you're chasing a game, that makes everything difficult. Whereas that's exactly what you guys did to Philadelphia. Yeah, it's always nice to get on the board early. Um, you know, you're feeling good, you're feeling confident um, as a group. And that was huge for us. I just think our start, you know, we were just kind of rolling lines. And I mm-hmm. think uh, just shift after shift, everyone was doing their thing. We were winning our shifts. And, um, you know, Blackie was obviously great as well. Yeah. Yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood was phenomenal last night. Just watching him do his thing. Like, he's just, A, he's a huge man. And watching him move as quick as he is, as athletic as he is. Like, obviously, you see it in real time. But you must go back and watch the highlights and be like, oh, man, that was a save and a half. Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) both of them have been great all year. They've kept us in games. And, um, you know, it's been frustrating for us that we haven't, you know, helped them out more. But uh, they've been great back there. And, you know, you need goaltending to win. And we have it. So uh, it's a really good feeling. And, uh, you know, those guys, like I've said, have been awesome. Yeah. And then today with the with the optional skate, how does your body feel like? Because that was a physical game last night. Yeah, um, you know, we had a lot of games coming up here. Uh, it was physical. It's just part of the grind, right? Part of the job. And, um, you know, boys are, you know, getting ready for tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll embarrass you a little bit because I always get to see you after the game. We finish up with head coach David Quinn, and oftentimes you haven't gotten dressed and everything. You're meeting with people who are involved with your type 1 diabetes fund. And, like, again, like, not everybody gets to see that. They see the press release that this is something you're doing. But we saw it last year, even you were, when you were recovering from your injury, you were there meeting with people. Um, just a little bit of background, just when that's going on when you're meeting with these kids from around the country yeah so you know I invite uh, families kids with type 1 diabetes to the games obviously um, you know a little meet and greet chat mm-hmm. afterwards and you know just for me being a young kid seeing you know NHL players obviously BJ Crombie um, you know playing for the Blues at the time yeah. you know growing up in St. Louis who had it uh, seeing that uh, professional athlete kind of uh, you know role model someone to look up to was I think a big uh, big thing for me to know that I could do it so just to be able to chat with the kids and you know parents and just you know answer questions anything mm-hmm. I can do to help and just let them know you know it could be a lot worse you're still able to you know do everything you love to do and uh, you just got to take a little you know better care of yourself make sure you're you know watching your sugars controlling the numbers all those yeah. kind of things but uh, I think it's just it's it's really fun for me to you know, try to help in, you know, any way I can. Yeah. And, you know, I imagine you probably see a little bit of yourself when you're talking to kids who are probably, you know, 12 years old, like you were when you got that diagnosis and you're trying to figure everything out because I mean, blood sugar for everyone, obviously very big deal, but for athletes in particular, because so much of that is fueling what you're doing out there on the ice. And these kids are still trying to remain athletes and go out there and be competitive, which that, that doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, no, it's, it's a struggle. Every day is uh, kind of different. I think that's, what's hard about it. No, there's no exact science kind of behind uh, everything like you just do one thing uh, and it works one day it might not work the next so I think you know talking to some of the young kids it's it's hard for them to kind of wrap their head around just kind of mm-hmm. let them know it you know it gets easier um, you know you kind of learn as you go and just you know not get too you know high low through the emotional parts of it because there's you know good days bad days and you just got to do the best you know the best you can yeah no it's good stuff man I just I always see that and I always appreciate it and respect it because it's it's seemingly I know it's not every night but it feels like it's every night you're out there talking to talking to kids and taking pictures and doing it and it's one of those things I think people I'm lucky to get to see behind the scenes so I, I respect it a lot but yeah. I know you've got stuff to do man I'll let you go but uh, keep it rolling on Thursday all right awesome thank you 
And now we are going to switch gears and we're going to bring in the radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers. It is Jack Michaels. Jack, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Well, I, I think uh, both teams are going to find out how they're doing in about uh, 10 hours. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously San Jose is coming off an emotional win. And, you know, I had a feeling I was joking with some of my colleagues. I, I felt like Philly was going to be the night and, and it turned out to be. Uh, I don't have as good a sense on tonight. I, I think Edmonton reached its uh, kind of enough's enough moment in the latter stages of that game against Vancouver. You saw, you know, Drysaddle take a 10 and, and Connor McDavid take a penalty and, and Jay Woodcroft get ejected, the mm-hmm. first Oiler coach to be ejected in 40 years. I mean, I think to a man, the people around this organization, which obviously had much different expectations than the, Star- than the Sharks did this year, I think they feel like they've had enough. But just because you feel that way doesn't mean you can just throw your sticks out there and, and you know, the end result will be the same as, as the previous eight meetings between these two teams. San Jose is going to have a, a bit of an emotional high coming into this game. So I don't have a feel necessarily because certainly I would not have anticipated a 2-8-1 start for Edmonton. I do think this club is more than capable of not just turning around but still finishing in the top half of the Western Conference. But to paraphrase, to paraphrase the players and coaches, enough's enough. It's time to get going. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got the much closer view on Edmonton because people would ask me questions about the Sharks because they would see the scores. And I would say, well, you know, it's, it's a more complicated answer. You know, so when people look at Edmonton's record, what is your more complicated answer to why it has gone this way? Because I know the, the easy one that people point to is net mining, but I – as you know, there's so much that goes into, you know, the, the camera panning over to the goalie that just got in, got scored on, and that's what everyone focuses on. Well, I mean, you know, it's whenever you get off to this kind of start and you have the horses that Edmonton does, I mean, they have three 100-point players a year ago. I mean, it's hard to fathom this kind of start. I don't think anyone saw it coming. A lot of people had Edmonton as their preseason Stanley Cup favorite, but with any kind of slump, it, it usually, you know, starts a net and extends outward. And, and really, I mean, the penalty kill hasn't been any good. That can be attributable to some of the struggles in net. But also, I mean, just the sheer amount of odd man rushes. If you go into the advanced analytics, the high danger chances, the high danger chances in the slot, you know, Edmonton doesn't show well against, you know, any of those numbers. And, and particularly the, you know, defending off the rush and allowing as many opportunities as they're allowing right now has not made it any easier on Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. And the end result is, you know, Jack Campbell's in the American Hockey League for the first time in several years, and and Calvin Pickard is, is going to back up Stuart Skinner tonight. So it's not as simple as goaltending. I think there's a mental component, too. I think any time that you've been knocking on the door and, and your season comes to an end, I think there's a bit of a, a mental grind in terms of realizing that you've got another season to play before you put yourself in any type of playoff scenario the way the Oilers were last spring. I mean, people have forgotten in the aftermath of Vegas kind of cruising to the cup with relatively easy series wins over Dallas and Florida. But, you know, Edmonton was tied with Vegas right. two games of, and up in game five late in the second period. But that doesn't do you any good five months later. It's a new season. And I think to some degree, the first week or two, the Oilers weren't over that. They're, you know, 
you got to keep you got to keep your mind where your where your feet are and and ultimately your record is your record and no one wants to hear how close you were last season it's about what you're doing this season and i think edmonton has to push through that and and it's you know i mean obviously they should have done it a month ago but it's not too late uh, there's 71 games left to play, and ultimately, I, I think you'd agree with me that outside of the top three or four in the West, it's it's largely a, a mediocre conference. Places I would say, you know, five through 16 or whatever it is. I, I mean, I, there's still spots to be had out there, so it's not time to pack in, and it's time to get going. Uh, the Oilers certainly have the weapons at their disposal. But, you know, from their top players on down, it has not come together yet in the first 11 games this year. And, again, the reason, you know, people are saying, well, you know, you might be sounding a little arrogant considering Edmonton's the only team better than San Jose right now. The records are pretty similar, 2-8-1 and 1-10-1. and But especially in a Canadian market, it's expectations. Mm-hmm. And trust me, if, if Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski and Patrick Marlowe and that edition of the Sharks were going through this, let's say eight or nine years ago, uh, the same kind of warning bells would be, you know, ringing in and around the San Jose dressing room. It's just more magnified in a Canadian market and with the kind of expectations the Oilers had coming into this year, having lost to the two previous Stanley Cup champions. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's not, I understand obviously the Canadian marketplace and the focus on hockey is, is different. And I don't mean that just in terms of the obvious, but I mean, it is the microscope is on all of these guys, but you know, this is, it's interesting that people who are not hockey fans have asked me what's going on with the Sharks and what's going on with Edmonton, because I mean, obviously in this market, people know the Sharks, even if they're not specifically hockey fans, but people know about that top end talent on the Oilers. And they just kind of assume that it's going to be another, you know, I I won't say, um, you know, they're not going to skate into the playoffs. No team does in the NHL. But I, I think that's the disconnect is people are looking at this talent and trying to figure out what the issue is. And I, I always wonder about this because, you know, to make a cross-sport comparison, we had um, an up-close view of the of the Warriors when they had their, you know, most incredible amounts of talent. And there were some games where it's like where they didn't just start dominating, the players just didn't take over, where they almost got into that mode of not knowing how to let the game come to them versus how to take over a game at certain times. And I often wonder about that. When there is this much talent, I think you can kind of get stuck in that. What happens when you try to do too much or you let the game kind of come to you? Teams kind of get stuck in that mode of of not knowing exactly how to go at a game when there's that much talent sometimes. Well, and you're pressing for offense and you're sacrificing defense in the equation, whereas if you just execute defensively, it translates to offense. Every coach from Pee Wee on up will tell you that. And I, I think... You know, right now, uh, when you have even your top players struggling a little bit, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl just scored for the first time in eight games. Connor McDavid has not scored in his last six games. And, and, you know, that doesn't sound like a a real long drought, except you consider that's the first time that's happened in, in, you know, almost three years. Right. You know, where he's gone games without a goal. You know, and so – what happens is when your top players aren't necessarily putting up the numbers that everyone else is accustomed to, they have to obviously concern themselves with their own game and getting their own game going. And when it hits you as a collective, the way it has for the Oilers, from their goaltender, their defense, I mean, no one, I think, is sitting around talking about, well, it's not my problem. Everyone else is 
playing poorly, but I'm playing well. That's not the case with Edmonton right now. I, and and that's what happens is you, you're you focused internally on getting your own game going, and sometimes that, you know, puts a grimp, crimp in the overall team game. It's just, you know, trying to string together your own personal moments within games sometimes doesn't translate well as a team. And, and again, it's, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressing. And when you're fighting it as a team collectively, you know, that's where you start hearing the phrases like squeezing the stick mm-hmm. and, and just fight puck a little bit. And to a man, that's what Edmonton is experiencing right now. And really the only cure for that is, is hard work. And I, I would say from the Oilers standpoint, they can't be looking at this the way perhaps, you know, Pittsburgh could afford to or or whatever. They, they've got to look at, or Vancouver, I mean, they've got to look at it as this isn't point night. This is about completely choking off any semblance of a San Jose attack first and foremost, and then the offense will come. Ultimately, Edmonton has to clean up those rush chances against those odd number rushes uh, to get anything accomplished. And I think if they do that tonight, and take away what little offense San Jose has shown thus far, then obviously I think it's going to translate, you know, very well at the other end. This is a this is a team that Edmonton's had a lot of success against mm-hmm. the last two years, but they can't get caught up in that. The only thing they can get, I think, focused on first and foremost tonight is on the defensive side of the puck. And I know I sound like a coach, and we sound, you know, we're always preaching offense in the National Hockey League. But if you look at the goals against right now that Edmonton's giving up, you know, six against Vancouver, five against Nashville, who doesn't score a whole ton. Right. You know, you you've got to you've got to take care of your own end before you can start thinking about having any kind of extended success in this league because you're just not going to win games six five seven six. This is not at 1985. And just as a final one, you know, I kind of looked at that win at the Heritage Classic and thought that would be where it would turn around and it was a complete game, but does it, does it still feel like they need to play another complete game like that to really kind of get everything pointed in the right direction? Or is it just a matter of wait and see if they can string together quality performances? Well, I mean, it was a decent game. I I think Calgary had a stretch towards the end of the second period and on into the third where they started out playing the Oilers. I, I don't, you know, and they, the surrounding circumstances, I I feel like that turns out to be more of a one-off than the 8-1 shellacking that Edmonton absorbed at the hands of Vancouver in the first game of the year. They've gotten goalied a couple of times. Uh, they haven't had, quote-unquote, the bounces go their way a couple of times. But that's what happens when you're 2-8-1. I don't think they have played a full 60 yet. And, you know, that Calgary team was struggling – almost as badly as the Oilers were. In fact, they had a worse record at the time after that game than Edmonton did. So, uh, and I know San Jose's no world beaters, but you got to start somewhere. Right. And I think you got to start by holding the opponent to two or less tonight. That's uh, first and foremost, if I'm setting a goal for Edmonton, that would be the goal tonight. And, and then build your game from there, because I think it's safe to say in all facets that Edmonton, might have hit bottom against Vancouver, and there's only one way to go but up. And all they have to do is look at tonight's opponent to see what recognizing that you've hit bottom can do for a hockey club. The Sharks gave up 20 in two games, and then they went back to work, they got refocused, 
and they found a way to grind out their first win of the year. I think the Oilers are going to have to do the same kind of thing. They have to almost treat themselves in a similar position to what the Sharks were going into Philadelphia on Tuesday night. Jack, always a pleasure, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you at the tank in a few hours, all right? Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Jack Michaels, the radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, and we are out of time. Live pregame coverage, 7 o'clock right here on the Sharks Audio Network, 7.30 go time. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify, and on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.